It is easy for worship leaders to feel alone. There is tremendous pressure on us each week to perform, to lead, and to help direct an amazing experience of worship and connection to God. But it's so overwhelming. There's no place to go to talk through these unique challenges worship leaders face. Welcome to the table. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of The Table. Uh, we are in February. Uh, this month, we're talking about leading your team spiritually. And today, I am joined by Todd Fields. Todd, how's it going? It's going well. Good to be with you, Jason. Ah, It's good to hang out, man. Uh, tell us uh, tell us about you. Introduce yourself to those that don't know who you are, or maybe they know who you are, but they don't realize they know who you are. Man. Yeah, I'm Todd. I'm 53. Been uh, on this journey on Earth for a while now. My wife, Carrie, and I have been married 26, almost 27 years with four boys. The oldest is 25. The youngest is 19. We're getting close to the empty nest world. Ooh. Um, yeah, I got into music in high school. I was a soccer player early on. I thought I was going to be pro. Dabbled in that. Wanted to go down that route and possibly play for some colleges. Picked up guitar. My dad had one laying around. Heard Beat It on Michael Jackson's album. Heard Eddie Van Halen. Went down that route. Was way into Van Halen and electric. And then I heard Stephen Curtis Chapman. More to the Slife album with acoustic guitar when I was in college. And I was like, that's cool. It really moved me and touched me. And I picked up on acoustic and started doing more of that. And uh, worship leading, I didn't even know what that was. You know, we grew up in the Baptist church with a choir and an orchestra. And we had sing-along time on Sunday, you know. It yep. was, let's just sing some catchy songs. I am a C, I am a C, all that stuff. <laughs> and, uh, and just like that, was, that song is stuck in everybody's head. Dude, sorry, <laughs> I planted that one. I am a promise. That's Bill Gaither, but that's a whole other story because I grew up hearing those guys. Um, yeah. Sorry about it. Go ahead. No, but it's just, uh, I didn't know what worship bleeding or worship music was at all, really, until I went to a Love Europe campaign with Operation Mobilization on a mission trip out of college. That would have been like 1992. Saw a young British, not well, he was young at the time, Graham Kendrick, leading oh, worship. There you go. Uh, in a place in Nuremberg, Germany, in this big event center. And my heart was just moved by hearing seven or so different languages sing to God. And uh, it changed me. I came back, and in the, in the, a friend of Andy Stanley, who I was working with, Louis Giglio, was coming to speak to our church. And um, he was talking about the glory of God. And anyway, long story short, Louis moved to Atlanta and start, we started a Bible study for singles called 722 back in the day. Um, it was right about the time Passion was starting. Louie and Shelley were starting that in Atlanta after having been at Choice Ministries in Baylor, Texas. And I think between my time with, you know, growing up with Andy and um, such a really good communicator and uh, Louie and his passion for God's glory and worship, the two of those combos in my life laid a good foundation for me. Um, and, uh, Louie, especially, I learned a lot just from the worship standpoint of being around him for a decade, uh, and working, but yeah, I started writing my own songs and worked at North Point for 22 years. And then in 19, no, sorry, <laughs> back in the 1900s, Jason, in 2017, <laughs> after being on staff at North Point, I had started a ministry called worship circle, which I do now. And, um, really, really felt like God was calling me to 
to follow that and do do that more and go on my own journey in that journey. And so that's kind of where we are right now. You know? That's amazing. And you've been doing that since doing that since. Yeah, 2000 we started worship circle in 2014, so we're in our ninth year. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, so you have a love for worship leaders, obviously with worship circle. Yeah. And kind of helping them thrive like bef- uh, before we jump into the topic though today, I want to I want to before because we're talking about leading their team and leading your team spiritually and kind of getting from that angle and um how do I know if I'm in a good place as a worship leader in order to lead well? How do I know yeah. that I'm, I'm in that space? Man, it's a, it's a big question. How do I know when I'm in a, spa- a good space? Um, kind of my story, Jason, and I think for all of us, all of the listeners can identify, um, you know, when we, t- we tell ourselves, hey, I'm a worship leader, we think about, hey, I'm on a stage and I'm leading songs and I'm trying to get people to sing those songs. And um, absolutely a worthy pursuit and a vital thing um, in the life of our heart. But I think for me, I had really been doing that so long that no one had ever asked me how my heart was doing <laughs> or yeah. where it, where is your heart? Um, <laughs> it's like, God, don't you want a great service and great songs for me? And he's, you know, through his kindness and love over you know the last decade or more has had me on a journey of paying attention to my heart and my and his presence and what it's like to would be like to live a life of worship, not as an act of striving to do something for God, but of abiding in his already done for me love. That's always available and his presence, which is always there. Mm. So that's the journey I've been on. Jason is kind of, how do I, how do I do before I be? Yep. I mean, be before I do. And then how do I, be and just be okay with being without thinking about, okay, now I have to do. And God taking me through a lot in my own journey of my own brokenness and healing um, over the past decade. And so right now my heart really is to help leaders and teams understand that their story is beautiful, that God's love for them never changes. And that, he wants something way more for them than he wants from them um, with his love. And so, yeah, is, I think for that, anyone, huh? Is that where worship circle came from? It did, man. It's like, I'd been so busy doing in the mega church and, and again, nothing wrong with different church formats yeah. and campus structures. Those are, those can all be used for the glory of God, but there's a lot of production involved in that. There's a lot of, um, you know, it's hard to, to live in this place of being living in the mystery of God, which is oftentimes that place where we go, God, what do you want to do this Sunday <laughs> versus, Hey, this is the sermon series and this is what we've planned. And, you know, there's, there's health to just, I think always keeping an open hand, not changing things up last minute, but going on that journey as a team, as a church, like, God, what do you want for me first as your, as your child? I'm your son or your daughter. And then what do you want for us as a community that is coming from you and ultimately going to go back to you? And how can we find that out? How can we be curious about what you want for us that is good, pleasing, right, holy, 
And what are the things in me or in my culture that are, that are causing anxiety in myself or fear or comparison that are keeping me from just receiving your perfect love for me, you know? Yep. And for a lot of us, it's, this is kind of my story. A lot of us don't pay attention to our story or trauma or, you know, stuff that we probably bring to the table. All of us have different things we bring to the table in all of our relationships, not just team dynamic. Um, so I think it really begins with us doing the scary thing of saying, Lord, would you lead me on the journey you have for me to be healed and whole? And for my heart that's been broken repeatedly at times uh, to be made whole by you. Yep. And that's not a, I don't know that that's an instantaneous healing, <laughs> Jason. I think it's a, <laughs> it's a lifelong abiding and awareness of God's presence and just saying, Lord, would you lead me and show me and orchestrate my circumstances and help me to be aware of what you're doing here? Yeah. And I think in a world of like worship leaders, we have, we have to have so many different facets. I meaning, yeah. you know, the, just that there's one, the technical skill to the, um, the ad, like the administration oh, yeah. and then, and then the spiritual, the spiritual aspect of leading people. Yep. And it's really easy to focus, especially in today's world. I feel like on the technical where it's like, you know, live streaming is a thing. So oh yeah, we spend more, t we spend a lot of time making sure we sound good, look good. And it's yeah. asking ourselves that question going, you know, where am I is not a fun process, but it's, it's needed because without Jesus, we're just a cover band, right? Yeah, I man, mean, it's, it's really easy. And you, you nailed the, you know, and you know this, Jason, from working with leaders, so many, leaders in worship are tired because their job description has probably eight job descriptions yep. to their one. Hey, can you uh, do the video announcements this week? And Hey, can you make sure lighting's good? And Hey, we've got a sermon series coming up. Can you do the bumper package for that? And <laughs> that's right. It depends on the size of your church, the way it's structured and everything, but there's a lot of dysfunction just in the setup of job description. Um, and for, especially for churches that don't have the larger budgets and can't pay individual people to do those jobs. They're trying to look at the production value that another church might be able to pull off and say, well, we need to do that. Mm. And they're killing themselves and they're killing their souls. And I, man, I just sense God wants to bring us back to simplicity and authenticity and vulnerability and less is more. And Hey, Nothing wrong with the lights, camera, action. Yep. But apart from us knowing ourselves well and knowing God intimately and and it being true, all that stuff is just an amplification of something that could be hollow for us right now. And I know for me, man, just being vulnerable, I remember so many Sundays where it's like, hey, Todd, can you do this cover song or can you lead this song or do? And I would pull it off and then you'd have people come up and, you know, in my 20s, it started happening. Hey, I love that song you sang. And or, man, you killed that. That was great. And all of us, man, we especially those of us who are performers, you hear that and then you go home and you take a nap on Sunday and you're like, <laughs> man, Lord, we hit the bullseye. Yeah. 
everybody loved it and everybody's raving about the service. And it's like, there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. And I'm not discounting anyone saying that, but if we're not careful, careful as the people that pray about plan about that and execute on that to differentiate between that as something we do to, you know, to provide an avenue for people to connect with God and our own personal abiding and intimacy with God, they can't, they can't be separated if we're going to be healthy. Mm. And I never really paid attention a whole lot to being okay with just it being me and God, you know? Yep. Um, Todd, are you okay if you're by yourself and it's just me and you? <laughs> what, what would I do? <laughs> um, are you okay with silence and solitude? Man, that doesn't make sense because if you're, if you're silent and you're in solitude, you're not getting anything done. Yep. And then on the journey I've been on, Jason, you back up and you look at the life of Jesus, who is the, you know, God in a body, supernatural presence of God living in the human body, Jesus. And so many times he's going, get me out of here. I got to go rest. Yep. I don't have to, I can't take these people. I love them, but can you t- take me to the shore? <laughs> and right. I need quiet and he's God. And space. Right. And yet we live in cultures where it's like more numbers, you know, more hours. Man, if we work more hours, we're going to reach people more effectively. And so it's kind of, it's anti, you know, it goes against the grain of the high production, striving, high output culture to say, man, what if we built into our team culture, the idea of um, allowing our heart to come alive with things that bring our heart life. And what does that look like for me as a leader of this team? And what does that look like for the team members? One of the things that for me brings life is going on a walk every day. I sound like an old man. Some people say, you are, you're 53. (laughs) But I've learned, Jason, to love hiking and walking. And it's just, I get that quiet time for an hour or so, just me and God in a walk. Sometimes I'll listen to something, sometimes I won't, but my heart like is being cared for in those moments. Yep. And you have to fight for that and you have to fight for it one day at a time. And then for those of you precious ones who have little kids, I'm sorry. It comes really hard (laughs) when you've got the diapers in the car seat world and sports and all that. You just have to, but be honest about what your heart needs. Um, And give your heart the love from God that he created it for and the life um, and the dreams and the things that you do that bring life to your heart. Because when your heart is healthy and your heart is in the process of being healed, um, it's real, Amen. you know? Amen. And it, it, it impacts your team. It impacts everybody, your family. Amen. So how would I, you talked, started talking about team a little bit. How do you, how do you measure the spiritual health of your team? Meaning, um, like, how do you gauge, how, how, how could I gauge where my team's at, uh, from a, from, yeah, from a spiritual standpoint is, or is that something that I need to focus on as a worship leader? Yeah, it's, there's so many ways to go about that, that, and I think I've probably done them the wrong way. Um, I mean, there were times where at North point where I was like, Hey, we need to have some laws that we write down and everybody signs a covenant, you know? This is how we live and this is how we agree to live. And if you break the rules, 
then you violated the covenant and you're not on the team anymore. That's, that's you one. Weak, you are the weakest link. <laughs> yeah, that's one end of the spectrum. Yeah, you know we've talked about you can't do this and you can't. And I grew up in that with Christian school and everything, and yeah, you know, some of the legalism. And then the other extreme is you just don't even care and you just show up and do the best you can. Um, that's a great question. It's it's hard to tell somebody to do something and that to change their heart. So, right. Hey guys, we want to be more spiritual as a team. So we're all going to have our quiet time for 30 minutes every morning for the next week. And then somebody's going to do the devotional in the team green room on Sunday. And Susie, can you do the devotional, man? You can do that. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but you know, I was talking to a friend of mine, Andy Gullihorn, on our Worship Circle podcast, the last episode about um, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. And the idea that, man, what brings, what makes you come alive, you know? Yep. And for some people on your team, it, it, for you to say, hey, I'm, I care about how you're doing spiritually but it's not a thing I'm going to be like lording over you. Like, did you do this? Did you do that? It's no. How's your heart and how, how's your soul right now? Are you exhausted? Um, when's the last time you were able just to breathe deep and not be anxious? Yep. And then be curious about that. And it's not the same for everybody. Um, one of the things that we used to do that I, I also did at a church I was with in San Francisco, Epic Church. Um, is we had a, you know, rehearsal, we'd have a dinner brought in and you can do that with people at your church. If you can't cater it or pay for that, you can have volunteers do potluck and, but just the idea of having a meal and sitting at the table, you know, getting to rehearsal a little bit early, everybody hustling and sitting down and like, how are you guys doing? You know, do you need anything? Do you need prayer? Food tends to break down those walls. Dude, it's really a cool act of worship, you know, is yep. let's have some food, break down the walls. And, and hey, how's your kids? How's your wife? What what are their names? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so relational, I think. And it's so much about love and it's so much about presence. Um, I think for me, I was, it's been a long journey for a lot of my marriage and for my time with my boys. I was always thinking about how I was going to make ends meet. Mm. And as a worship leader, it was like, well, I know I'm getting paid a salary at the church. So that that's some income, but then I, we can't make it with just that. So what else do I need to do? And I'm going to do some outside bookings and man, if I wrote a hit worship song, that would be really nice. A little mailbox <laughs> money. <laughs> that's right. So I was always thinking as a is the you know as the provider of our family at the time because we had four boys. Carrie was with them. My brain was always on like, hey, what do I need to do to keep all these plates in the air? And what other ideas could I come up with to pay the bills? And so as a result, as I look back, I would say it was hard for me to be present with people. Okay, I couldn't slow down my anxiety because I was always like. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do next. And I don't know how we're going to do this. And, you know, and I would have windows where I could, but the older I get, the more I'm learning the beauty of just being present with a person. Yep. So if you're the leader of a team and you've got volunteers, 
just finding ways to be with them um, that are loving and kind and and real. Um, you're going to find it. You're going to find out how things are going by asking you questions. You are. It's, it's all relationship and trust, and it's not, hey, welcome to First Baptist so-and-so. These are the 10 rules, and this is how we're going to live spiritually. Yep. You can't make somebody. Everybody's a spiritual being, so they're all living a spiritual life. It's just a matter of whether their source is abiding in the love and rest of God's presence moment by moment, or their traumatic responses are, you know, I'm fearful because I feel like I've always needed to perform to be accepted. And if I fail at this, I'm not going to be liked. And then that comes into play with the team. That's a whole other story, you know? Right, right, right. Um, I had a friend, uh, there's a thing called systems theory that I've been, a friend of mine told me about, and Ruth Haley Barton, who's a, used to work at Willow Creek and lead a lot of teams. She's way into the spiritual journey and spiritual formation, but uh, there's a thing they called, they talked about how leadership is all about the ability to recognize anxiety in yourself and others and be curious about where it's coming from. Mm. So, and a lot of that is embodied and I'm learning on my journey. It's like you walk into a room and you start like either shaking or your shortness of breath, you feel threatened. Okay. Why do I feel threatened right now? <laughs> right. Well, because in this room, there was an evaluation two weeks ago and you got a terrible review, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, you didn't do this right. And then, then that fear is associated not only with that meeting, but something that happened in your story. So we're all these people that have been, our hearts have been broken and anxious at times. And, you know, the discerning leader is is able to to notice that in their body and in themselves and go, okay, God, why am I getting uptight right now? Why am I getting frantic? Why is my body doing this? And then the adverse is true. If you're in a meeting and somebody's getting heated or you can tell they're shutting down um, or they're trying to run the meeting, there's always something under the hood to explore. So then it's then it's being curious and going, hey, I felt a little tension when we were talking about that or when that happened on stage. Um, are you okay? Just know you have freedom to tell me how you're feeling if, if I've done anything or if it brought up any anything in you. Yeah. But curiosity is such a big deal, man. Instead of going, man, I can't believe they're that way or I can't believe they reacted that way. Um, and so much of my my life was... Yeah, I don't want to be around them because they acted that way. Instead of going, man, maybe that's coming from somewhere. And we've got an opportunity here to ask some questions and just listen. Um, I love that. Yeah. I love the the idea of just keeping kind of keeping your ear to the ground and kind of noticing. You can tell. You can tell when you when there's like you said, like the tension or the that just kind of builds inside of what's going on. Where does that come from? And understanding that and kind of deciding how to and then you got to figure out how to approach it bro Um, especially with teams and musicians and singers because you're like if you're leading that team and you're going hey mary can you sing this song this sunday you don't know this but there could be other people in the room going well why didn't he ask me yeah right (laughs) did i do something wrong or did they like her more 
there's so many things we don't say in our stories that are false, but they're real to us because we experience them. Right. But we, we, we put those things into our current situation as we interact with one another. And man, I just think for any leader to say guys and ladies, first of all, I, I always like to tell people, (laughs) I got a vision and hopes and dreams, but I don't know what I'm doing. I tell people that at worship circles, like, I don't, I don't know how we got here or what we're doing. And I kind of want to keep it that way, (laughs) but I promise you this. I do want to show up and I do want to love you well. Yeah. And I do want to be able to look you in the eye and hear you and hear your heart. And I want to know what you're, you're celebrating. I want to know what you're fearful of or what you're grieving right now. If you'll let me. And it's not that I even have the answers, but I want you to know I'm with you in it. And that's what our team's going to be. We're going to be a community where we're, we foster vulnerability and we tell shame to take a hike. And we know that we've all been wounded and this is a place where we can come and allow each other to care for one another as we need it. Cause everybody's not in the same place. Some, someday somebody might show up and say, man, I'm really not doing well today. And somebody else is like, man, I got you, bro. Yep. It's okay. And uh, we all need that. The sweet spot of ministry when that, yeah. When those things take place. Yeah, man. So help me understand, help us kind of understand something. I want to, there's a balance, I think, between this and making sure we look and sound good on a mm-hmm. Sunday morning. And like we talked about a little bit at the beginning, like I think it's really easy to lean onto that side of, of, of ministry. Cause it's like at the end of the day, our marching orders as a worship leader is to make yeah. sure that Sunday morning happens, make mm-hmm. sure that Sunday morning looks good and sounds good. But where do you find, how do I find the balance between those two things? Meaning find a balance between Look how I look sound, how we look and sound as a team, but how, and also the interpersonal side of making sure that our yeah. team is actually healthy, um, spiritually healthy. Like they can kind of fight each other a little bit, or one might be, I'm going to say, more fun than the other. Um, yeah. But where do you kind of, as, as, as a leader for you, like where would you find that balance? Man, as you speak, the Lord just brought that verse that Jesus said to the woman at the well, a time is coming where the true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. Amen. And it's almost like our musicianship is the truth <laughs> and our heart is the spirit. Yep. And there's a balance. It's like you don't say, man, we're going to be all heart, but we're not going to practice. Like there is immense joy in becoming the best you can be as a steward of the gifting God's given you on your instrument. And it's a big deal. Like that's why to the same extent, I want to champion soul care and caring for your heart and (laughs) abiding. And I don't have any patience with people that are slouches when it comes to not preparing what they were supposed to prepare to play a song or a set or doing their homework. Like it ought to be 
we ought to strive to make it as good as a John Mayer band if we can, you know, right. And you don't, you don't always have professional caliber players and that's okay, but you can, you can get some people that are volunteer musicians to a good place if you shepherd them well and cast vision for them. Yep. You know, like, Hey man, like you're, you've got a really good touch on the bass guitar, but you're playing way too much. And if you would like listen to a couple of these things and kind of study a little bit on, on that and combine it with your touch, it would be amazing. And it's just shepherding them with some, it's really production and knowing as a leader, what kind of, what production looks like and how to call it out. I always tell people to Jason, I would rather, a lot of churches are like, man, we got to have a band every Sunday, you know, <laughs> the more people, the merrier. And it's kind of the law of diminishing returns. The more, sometimes the more people you have involved, the harder it is to get a cohesive thing. And so I, I like to, I like to go well, kind of, is there a source or a nucleus to this that's kind of carrying the thing that could be like solo if they needed to. Yep. Um, so if you've got someone who plays piano and they have a great vocal and just love to lead people in worship and they can do that with no band, man, give people that gift from time to time, you know? Yeah. And then if you do bring a band around that gift, you want to make sure that it's, right for that person and that thing. It's same with acoustic guitar or a vocalist. It's what does the song need? What kind of experience are you trying to um, lead people in on the song journey that you're on? And um, I think by the, I think people get tired by default. We think, man, this is what we do every Sunday. So let's just do this. But part of the joy of creativity is, you know, even as a team coming up with some, Hey, what would happen if we did this? What would happen if we brought in a cello player and a piano and just did that was worship on Sunday. And then the next week we had, you know, this configuration and um, what, ha what would happen on a Sunday if we started really just meeting the people, letting them know that God knows how they came today and they don't have to perform for him. And you start slow and you start in a moment of contemplation and just restfulness. And then you take them on a journey towards celebration. What happened if you change the flow around, you know? Totally. And I think that, I think if you, when you do that, it removes the pressure from uh, production having to be at a certain level yeah. every Sunday and the congregation can see worship is not what it sounds like. And it's what we're doing. And, yeah. And, yeah. you know, man, there's nothing as powerful as a group of people not being overwhelmed by volume and instrumentation, being able just to vocally say something to God. Yep. It's like, you know, Church of Christ, that's what they do. And I think in the in the streams of faith, there's all these things that we do that are beautiful. And they're to me, they're options like, man, do an acapella Sunday. I don't know. <laughs> It's it's really nothing's off the table. And I think that's where you start dreaming and you start kind of getting excited going, Hey, um, what if you guys had a break this Sunday, you know, yeah. and yep. you didn't have to get up early and you could come with your family or you could just attend or man. And we're just going to have so-and-so lead us. 
and we're going to give everybody, what if we built that into the rhythms of our culture to where we're not all, people aren't always coming and getting the same thing every week. And it's just those conversations you have with your planning team as you're praying about what God would have for your, your people. Makes it fun. Love it. So we, we call our podcast the table. Um, and I believe, like I said earlier, good conversation happens over good food. Yes. So if I was coming over to the field's house for dinner, what would be on the table? What are you guys, what is like a staple in your house? My favorite, my favorite meal to make is filet mignon, like a beef tenderloin. There you go. Pan seared and then baked in the oven and with some rosemary and garlic and butter kind of on top of it as it's cooking. Um, my friend Alex Nifong, who's a guitar player, played with Redman and Tim Hughes and a bunch of guys. He's one of my dear friends, and he cooks a lot. He taught me how to make these potatoes that you boil. You chop them into like like one-inch pieces. You boil them, get them a little bit soft, you shake them up, give them some texture, and then you roast them and bake them in the oven for like 45 minutes on 400, and they turn out so crispy. You put Italian Parmesan and parsley on top of them. And then That's, asparagus. I like asparagus. I hated yes. asparagus as a kid, but if you make it right, um, either grilled or bake it in the oven and put a little balsamic glaze. And then we've got these French bread rolls from Italy. They're Carrie gets them, and uh, man, I can down a whole one of those. They're so good with some fresh butter. There's and a man- window with asparagus between where it's too crunchy and it's slimy. There's like a yeah, you don't overcooked, want the, undercooked. There's a good window. And if you, you don't want the spaghetti noodle, you no, want the, <laughs> a little bit of the crunch. That's right. It's, but not too crunchy. That's right. But man, that's my that's one of my favorite oh, dude, that meals sounds to delicious. make. You know, I'm a, and every time I make that steak, people come, the people I make it for are like, okay, this is unbelievable. Now, do you have a place in town where you just go get the, There's like the, the the meat. You have you have your place where you get meat all the time. Um, I just go to Publix, man. It's right yeah. down the street. It's a good, it's amazing. And then we've got some restaurants. We've got a little place down the street called the Union. We go to that they have good food, good choices in a pinch. But man, I've been cooking a lot lately. Yeah, and I've been learning how fun that is and how spiritual that is. I understand that completely. Um, there's something about holding things that God made and putting them in combinations with spices and cooking things and putting it all together and then eating and cleaning up. It's just this process that's, I don't go out to eat that much anymore. I like to cook. I've been COVID, I mean, keeping us at home turned me into somebody who likes to smoke food a lot, smoke things. Yeah, man. And now my kids don't want to go out and eat. They're like, dad, yours is way better. This is, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's right. Keep that thought. Keep that. Yeah. That's right. Say that. Say that one more time. <laughs> That's right. I just like I, I needed that. I thank you for that. Dad's the man. That's right. Hey, so tell us how we can connect with you and with Worship Circle, and um, kind of give us the rundown on how we can do that. Yeah, worshipcircle.com is our website. Um, we've got twelve mentor slash coaches now. It's really a, our purpose is for you to know you're loved and not alone, um, and. We have a summit coming up February 9th. I don't know when this will air, but we also have a new term starting in the middle of April. So there, we have some spots open in small groups. You look at the website and go, hey, I want to be in so-and-so small group. And you apply. And we take you on a journey 
It's online. We have two sessions a month. One of them contains small group where you're going to get, get to know some girls if you're a female or guys if you're a guy. Pastored by your coach. And y'all, it's just a safe place for you to come as you are. And whether you're burnout, whether you're on the top of the mountain, whether you have a lot of questions about, you know, how to care for your heart or you've never even thought about that. That's kind of the journey we lead people on. Um, if cost is a problem at all, reach out, go ahead and apply. We've got some tools to help with that and we love to help people. So yeah, we've got a new term starts in April, ends in September, and then we have a rest retreat next October. Um, that's awesome. always a, a fun time in person with all the coaches and all the members and anybody else that wants to come. Where is that at? It's going to be in Georgia. We don't know the exact spot yet. We're, okay. Yeah. It's, oh, I love it. Yeah. Retreats, retreat in person. Man, that, that's just the way to do it. It's, yeah, it's, it's special too. It. After you've been online and you got to know guys in your small group and then you show up and yep. you always go, I didn't know you were that tall. I didn't know you were that <laughs> that's short. Right. I can't that's, tell on Zoom. <laughs> that's right. That's amazing. Hey, Todd, I appreciate you hanging out today. Dude, I appreciate thanks for having this me, conversation Jason. and yeah, and just the the um, wisdom and that you bring to this to this end. I uh, get to share just continue continually to encourage worship leaders they know that's your heart and um just kind of continue to help people be better at what they do thanks buddy no problem uh we will see everybody next week